but it is an emphasis on the positive and actually helping individuals achieve even more than their baseline, achieve their best selves. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Deanne Lewis. Um, I have a great guest with us today and we're going to be talking everything under the umbrella of positive psychology. And the person to talk about that with is in the, is with us today. We have Dr. Uh, Liana Leonov with us today. Dr. Leonov, thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me and having me. I look forward to chatting. Absolutely. So before we get into you know, this great discussion, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Absolutely. I am as you said, all things positive psychology, but specifically positive psychology and health and well-being. And what gets me up in the morning is to not only broadcast these messages in various formats for everyone, because everyone can benefit, but also more specifically because I'm a physician in preventive medicine and a physician in lifestyle medicine that I can broadcast to my colleagues and other health professionals how to apply this science in healthcare directly as part of treatment plans and more. And, and that's what's uh, sort of new about what my organization, the Global Positive Health Institute, is doing. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I think about positive psychology, it's been said or been known as, you know, the science of happiness. What is your definition of positive psychology, especially when it comes to health? How can we, how are you implementing that within the healthcare space? Yes, the science of positive psychology is fairly broad and it is multi-level. It's looking at every aspect of our lives, uh, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social, that contributes to our happiness and also contributes to our health. And what's unique about positive psychology versus general psychology is this emphasis on strengths, on what's going well. Uh, It's not ignoring what's not going well, but it is an emphasis on the positive and actually helping individuals achieve even more than their baseline achieve their best selves. Whereas traditionally, psychology has been and psychiatry has been about if you have mental illness, if you have some issues, that we're going to get you back to quote normal. And the positive psychology community is saying, and Martin Seligman, who's considered the father and founder of positive psychology, was saying 20 plus years ago when he started this field, that we can do better than that, that we can actually help individuals be even better than their normal baseline selves. And that that actually is available to all of us, even individuals 
who are suffering from some mental health issues. So someone who has depression, for example, it's not mutually exclusive from doing some little things that will allow them to experience moments of joy and will supplement and boost their overall roads to well-being. So truly positive psychology is available and can have some benefits, uh, depending on who you are, and we can go into that and what you do, for the potential is there for everyone. And that's what gets me up in the morning is that this is a message we need to get out there. And that message that it's really linked to physical health, that this is a serious part of our health, in fact, possibly more serious and more impactful than the usual things that people hear about, like, you know, not smoking and avoiding drugs and alcohol and, you know, eating a healthy diet and getting our exercise and getting our sleep, et cetera. Right. So it's not necessarily ignoring the, the, maybe the negative things in your life. It's just emphasizing those things that maybe you're doing well or what we can do well. And that in return is helping us improve our health overall. Exactly. And this is probably a great opportunity for me to acknowledge that, because people who may not be as familiar with positive psychology might think of that as like, oh, you're just going to be positive all the time. You're going to force me to be positive. What if I don't feel like it? And out the gate, we need to say, no, positive psychology embraces all emotions. In fact, there's a term for that. It's emo diversity. So there's a diversity of emotions that we experience as humans. And part of positive psychology is the self-compassion to be compassionate with ourselves and say, yep, I'm human. I'm having a bad day. I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to heal that, uh, be there for myself. Others can, I can reach out for help. I can do some things for myself and then gently shift myself to something that is a little more, more positive. That's going to drive me forward because positive emotions, truly the science shows they drive us towards healthier behaviors. Uh, they drive us to, to, to uh, really achieve our goals, to think better, uh, so it affects every aspect of our lives. Right. And we notice a lot of those, you know, emotions, uh, especially over the past couple of years with the pandemic. And we were noticing um, mental health going through the roof or uh, a big highlight on mental health. With From your experience and, and what have you noticed around the past couple of years with the pandemic and depression and all that being at the forefront of people's minds, especially within the healthcare space. Uh, what have you experienced through that with positive psychology? Great question. And of course, the pandemic impacted us in so many ways, uh, not the least of which was social isolation and an important positive psychology activity, if you will, or intervention is, is to really harness our social connections. And those were in some ways severed. Uh, in fact, of course, if people are wearing masks, you can't hear, see their smiles, etc. And not only that, but we experienced various traumas, small and large traumas in perhaps having to shift work perhaps traumas in losing one's job, in losing loved ones who succumb to the illness, in dealing with illness. So small and large, we, we, were, we were facing it everywhere. And uh, there was a wonderful article, scientific article that was published fairly recently 
by Dr. Lee Waters, who's in Australia with a number of luminaries in the field of positive psychology uh, that was titled something like Positive Psychology in a Pandemic. And they talk about what aspects of positive psychology they recommend based on reviewing thousands of uh, scientific articles that would help people through a pandemic uh, and lessons learned there, and really that help people through any kind of adversity, difficulties, trauma, and small and large, because we're all experiencing it now every day. You turn on the news, uh, you can experience some some difficulties in the images that we see around us. And so uh, some of those recommendations from that paper and that are talked about in the science and from my experiences as well. Uh, Top of the list is those social connections, is positive interpersonal processes, which are that we connect with others in a mutually caring way where we physiologically, physically start to synchronize with each other, which is so healing and good for our bodies. When, when you know when you're connecting with someone and you, you feel it uh, emotionally, but you may not realize that your body is experiencing that and your blood pressure goes down, uh, the blood sugars go down, the, the cortisol and some of the sort of bad hormones, if you will, uh, go down. And it's good for us. It's, it's healing. So social connection, probably out of all of these positive psychology activities and connections, and there have been great studies, uh, show that that is the number one way that we can boost every aspect of our health and well-being. There have been long what we call cohort studies, where we follow individuals over many decades and collect a lot of data on them. And one of these is the famous Harvard study. And it's called the Harvard Adult Development Study. And they followed inner city Boston boys over those decades with sort of the Harvard Ivy League higher SES boys and compared them over time and got all kinds of information where they could level the playing field in the data analysis to say, okay, despite your background, despite anything else that we can learn about you, what is the single most important thing that's going to boost your health and well-being and happiness? And lo and behold, it is social connection. So that is number one. There are then a number of other things that we need to look at or can look at are character strengths. So if the world is falling apart around us, we can turn inward and say, what do I have in me? And there's a whole part of positive psychology science in the realm of character strengths that's very validated science. And if people are interested, there's actually a a no-cost survey they can take at viacharacter.org to find out, well, what are their character strengths? And then you can say, okay, even if the world is falling apart around me, I have no control over that. Maybe I'm isolated. Maybe I'm downtrodden. Maybe I don't know where even my next meal is coming from. Let me look inwards. What do I have to offer the world? What can I rely on myself? And during difficult times, and there are 24 of these, uh, and of those 24 all of them, of course, are helpful, but two that come through during traumatic times are courage and gratitude. So being courageous, and, and there's a whole science behind that that we're starting to learn. In fact, we just had a special speaker at our recent conference on how to increase courage in a, in a, in a good way. And then gratitude. Gratitude has just so much potential for so many groups that, again, are facing difficulties. I do want to add a little caveat 
that cultural backgrounds matter and we still need more science around this, but clearly there are differences in how different cultural groups experience and benefit from these different interventions and activities. And gratitude is one of them. And it's interesting that some of the early science says that perhaps in Asian cultures, and there's of course a diversity of Asian cultures, they may not benefit as much from gratitude. Um, They uh, may associate that with a sense of indebtedness and may experience more of a negative emotion rather than a positive emotion. So that being said, uh, a gratitude still for most groups is the, one of the most studies area, studied areas of positive psychology. And it's something that is fairly impactful for most groups and easy to do and free to do and uh, doesn't take a lot of time and uh, is one place for someone who says, where do I start? What, what do I do? Perhaps thinking about three good things in your life, maybe a couple times a week, or maybe every Sunday night you sit down and you reflect on your week and what's gone well. And the science then shows that if you do that fairly consistently, that's going to boost your sense of, okay, yeah, actually, I do have some things going on in my life. You know, we, we, our human brains are trained to look out for the negative and look out for survival mechanisms. You know, what's wrong? What can I fix? And then we have that top of mind. And so this kind of gratitude practice brings us back to top of mind is that despite bad things, there are some good things in there and let's acknowledge them, even if it's just to ourselves. There's a little caveat there also is the graduate practice probably shouldn't be every day because then it becomes a chore and we come, become resentful of it and it's not fresh, but maybe once, once or twice a week. And if, if we get into that habit, it's a perfect positive psychology habit. Yeah, I noticed. So, so um, before we went live, and I was telling you that I I use a little bit of those positive psychology strategies with the people that I I coach, and a gratitude journal is one of them. And I feel like uh, when I bring this concept up or this practice up, I get this really. This is going like just writing down being grateful is going to help me with my health, and it's one of those things where I'm, I'm more so trying to like persuade like hey this this it, it does work just just give it a shot and you know some people they do it and they're like wow this does really help me understand a little bit more but for for some people it's just they just can't wrap their mind around how keeping a gratitude journal is going to be beneficial for their blood pressure or their blood sugar or things like that how would you explain that to someone who just can't really um, wrap their mind around some of those practices? Good question. There's no way to explain this to people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we, we say experiment. If you're a doubter and it's okay to be a doubter, to try it for yourself. Give yourself, right. say, a month of any of these kinds of activities. And if gratitude is not your thing, there are other options. Uh, but experiment, and there's a lot of written on different types of positive psychology activities. It could be acts of kindness, for example. It could be just focusing on those social connections. It could be practicing self-compassion, purposefully or intentionally using your character strengths. Experiment and see what works for you. Try it for a month and uh, maybe for the gratitude doubters, you try it for a month. It works great. If for some reason 
it didn't, that's okay too. (laughs) There's plenty out (laughs) there for other ways to approach being happy and healthy. Right, right. No, that's that's good. So I would like to go back to this concept of positive psychology within healthcare. And we, we talked a little bit about the um, I think you called it positive health. Can you talk a little bit more or talk a little bit more about that and what that means within the healthcare space? Absolutely. This is my most passionate topic. So thank you for that. We are developing this new-ish field called that we think we're going to be calling positive health. We're not even sure that this is absolutely the term, but we're going in that direction in terms of the positive psychology science, the lifestyle medicine science and healthcare. And it's combining traditional health factors, like the ones I just mentioned earlier that we're mostly familiar with, you know, all those healthy habits, combining them with these positive activities like the acts of kindness, the gratitude, the social connections, and really emphasizing those latter, putting them together for a state of well-being, and that's the definition of positive health, is actually a state of health and well-being that can be achieved over and above what we can achieve if we're simply focused on those traditional risk factors. It really makes us, helps us be our best self, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And one of the areas of science in this that's important to remember is that positive emotions drive our healthy behaviors and healthy behaviors drive positive emotions. So there's this reciprocal interlink between the two. And if we're having, we know, hey, I need to be physically active or exercise, just not my thing, having a tough time getting into it. If we can figure out ways to make it a positive experience, if we can link some positive emotions with it, maybe taking a walk with a friend uh, and that, and you have a nice memory of having a wonderful chat with your friend and you're also getting the physical benefits of the walk. And then later on, when you think back on that, uh, or maybe you're not even thinking about it in a a conscious way, but almost a non-conscious way, you're going to want to pick up the phone and call your friend again and say, let's go for another walk. And all of a sudden you've started to reinforce healthy behavior behaviors. So to the extent that we can really embed positive emotions and positive activities with the other healthy behaviors, that makes us healthier and happier. And that's what this field of positive health is looking to promote. Wow. So how long has this been in the the process of, I'm, I'm sure this, this sounds like it, it took a, a lot of work to figure out how this can be woven and within into the, the healthcare system. How long has it take taken? And you know, um, and kind of where you're at right now w- with this big project. We're very early days. Very <laughs> early days. So I created the Global Positive Health Institute because other groups weren't exactly doing this. So there are groups who are promoting mm. and doing the wonderful science of positive psychology. There's the International Positive Psychology Association. Oh my goodness, all over the world, amazing research. There's the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that is promoting and helping physicians and other health professionals 
practice lifestyle medicine, offering healthy lifestyles as a treatment for all kinds of chronic diseases, diabetes, heart disease, etc. And they certainly harness a little bit of the positive psychology, of course, and social connection. But there was weren't any other groups who were sort of marrying these two. And, and I said, well, we need to do something more about it because our doctors and other health professionals are, are not getting that this is not fluff. This is not, oh, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm going to prescribe some meds or even just prescribe my uh, diet and exercise to my patients. But that other stuff, that gratitude stuff, I, I'm not sure. What does that have to do with health and medicine. I'm a doctor. And we're, we're trying to cut right through that and say it has absolutely everything to do with your role as a healthcare provider, but we have a long ways to go. So we're doing trainings and education and do our own podcast and blogging, whatever. And, and that's why I take every opportunity to, to be interviewed and to say, hey, hey guys, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, so I envision a positive future for us and transformation of the healthcare system that includes lifestyle medicine and positive psychology, and that it can be a push and a pull that we can nudge health providers, uh, those uh, groups like my organization and other organizations to say, think about taking this training, come to our uh, organization and listen to some of these wonderful talks from leaders in the field and you'll be inspired. And then um, for the general audience uh, of listeners, you can start to pull your, your, your doctor's into this as well uh, by by when you go to the doctor that you start to say, hey, hey, I heard this podcast or I've read this and gee, you know, it seems like this positive emotion stuff and positive activities seems to be so directly relevant to being healthy. You know, what, what do you, what do you know about that doc? And can I, can we include that in my health maintenance plan? Can we include that in my treatment plan? So patients need to be demanding it. And then we need to be helping the doctors sort of nudging them to be thinking about changing the way they practice. Yeah. And, and I think that this is, is coming right on time when we're talking about value-based care and we're talking about, you know, patients are speaking up more about the fact that they don't feel like they have a connection with their provider, someone that's treating their health. And and also on, on the same token, doctors feeling like they don't have the opportunity to have enough time with their, their patients because of their workloads. Uh, it sounds like something um, along these lines could really help them improve their communication skills, be able to connect with their patient a lot more. And that really helps the patient feel like they're being listened to, that their provider really cares about them. And it's just this, um, this positive, <laughs> this positive uh, experience for everybody. Yes. And that's part of what we're working on. We have workshops with health providers where we're doing the hard work and that early work of saying, hey, you're busy providers. You mentioned that, that they're busy providers and they're like, I, I don't have time to talk to my patients about gratitude or what. It sounds great, but you know, I, I got things to do on my checkout right. list. And so we say, there are little things you can do to get started that are not time consuming, but more of a shift in framing that can start to bring into the clinical encounters that positive interaction. And even the way we start off a visit with a patient, instead of the usual, what they taught us in med school, you know, what's your problem today? How can I help fix your problem today? <laughs> Which we call the chief complaint. We are turning that upside down, you know, so instead mm. of what's the matter with you today, 
The question is, what matters to you today? Let's start there and build around that. It's a positive conversation. Or, and then in, as a doctor's maybe doing the examination, they're chit-chatting, they can say, what's one thing that, that happened to you in the last week that was really positive? And maybe at the end of the visit, uh, what was one positive thing that you got out of our visit today? And all of a sudden, it's more the mindset and the focus shift rather than, you know, time consuming. That being said, these positive activities, I think, should be prescribed. And we can have other healthcare team members and health coaches and others help the, the primary physician to build that into the treatment plans. There are apps and digital programs and other community resources. So we can nudge our patients and to, to read and explore and experiment for themselves without too much taking too much time. But ultimately, I would love to see the, the healthcare transformed where, like with other healthy lifestyle coaching and treatment plans in lifestyle medicine, that we're looking to get that reimbursed, that that time with the patient mm-hmm. where we sit down and really talk about these healthy interventions, including positive psychology interventions, is reimbursed. And as as providers, we're not rushing to go to the next patient because the only way we're going to get paid is by doing another procedure rather right. than just the invaluable time of just sitting with the patient's and talking about what matters to them. What's their why? Because so much powerful stuff, uh, action can come out of just talking about a patient's why. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I was, as, as you were speaking about how this helps with, within the healthcare, um, healthcare team, I was wondering, has it even been a thought or would it even be doable? How would you implement something like this from a public health perspective or a population health perspective? Like, is, is this something that is transferable to different sectors of health or just specifically for, for healthcare? It can be transferred across all sectors of health uh, for sure. In public health, we do a lot of public messaging and now, of course, also public health social media messaging and education that way. That's a way to reach larger populations and and really share the the kernels of truth behind the science of positive health and positive psychology that individuals can harness for themselves. Potentially, there could be actually formal educational programs within public health systems that are looking to promote, there are already programs looking to promote healthy diets and exercise. We can build into that the positive activities because again, they're so linked. Uh, so it, it's, it's it completely it is important. And if we talk traditional public health, right, traditional public health came from preventing infectious diseases, right? So what's very interesting is that as we build positive emotions, and one of the leaders in this space of positive emotions, a researcher, Barbara Fredrickson, who also coined or or she and her colleagues coined this term positivity resonance when we connect with others. Again, that synchrony I was talking about earlier. What she's finding is that positive emotions increase pro-social behavior. What does that mean? That means that we are concerned about our fellow human beings. What does that mean for public health? We're more likely 
to wear masks. We're more likely to get vaccinated. We're more likely to do things that, that in, from a public health sense, uh, really is important, and it helps the whole population stay safe. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Dr. Leonov, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. For anyone out there that's listening that wants to learn more about yourself, um, the things that you're you're doing within the positive psychology space and positive health and, and all the things that you do, um, where can they find you? We're on Facebook and Instagram at positive sorry, at Global Positive Health. And then our website is easy to remember, positivehealth.world. So please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have our own a podcast on YouTube. Again, Global Positive Health. And uh, anyone, you, there's a way you can reach us and you can reach me through the website. I'd love to answer any questions and connect further. Yes. And I will make sure I have all of those links in the description of this episode so they can find make it easier to connect with you. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated it. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Project podcast. I'll holler at you next time. <laughs>